Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Don't Retire, Graduate, the podcast that teaches you how to advance into retirement rather than retreating. I'm your host and valedictorian, Eric Brotman, and we have a special guest today, Ellen Torres, the Director of Development for the Alzheimer's Association of Maryland. Uh, I met Ellen north of 20 years ago, I think at a wedding, and we've been uh, kindred spirits ever since. Ellen is is fighting the good fight against uh, dementia and cognition and, and raising money and helping folks. And Alzheimer's is such a big deal for families financially uh, and medically and logistically um, that I thought she'd be the perfect guest to speak to our audience. So, Ellen, thank you for being here. Welcome. My, my sincere pleasure to my dear old friend. Yes, it was a wedding. And uh, our paths have gone together with each other through the years. So I'm excited about that. Well, uh, we are glad to have you, and I, I know we're going to uh, learn a lot from you today, which is exciting. Um, let's first start with your story, because you, you know, you've worn some different hats and worked in some different organizations, um, and you are a, a friend raiser and fundraiser extraordinaire. Um, so let's talk a little bit about your trajectory and how you got here and, uh, and, and sort of what you love about where you are today. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, I, I was a college student studying at Loyola College at the time, now Loyola University, and I wanted to write commercials. And so the whole marketing and and advertising and all of that really interested me. So I did an internship my senior year at WPOC Radio, but they didn't really have interns in advertising, but they did in the promotions department. And they kept putting me in charge of uh, of the radio's um, charity events. And so my internship finished after college and then they just kept keeping me on and keeping me on and I started a, my first job there and I thought wow this is this is a wonderful um, thing to do to actually engage the community in important causes and so I realized wow you can actually have this as a career and I started my path first at muscular dystrophy and then for a long time um, at Catholic Charities at St. Vincent's and that's where you and I uh, met and then a little little quick turn to Red Cross and then back to Catholic Charities. Um, six years ago, you know, you, you get to a point where you feel like you've done what you can do for an organization and you need something new. And so I kind of took a deep breath and said, please help me find an organization where I can put my heart and soul and wrap it around that passion and opened up the computer and saw the position at Alzheimer's. And it was interesting because at the time, I only had one friend that I knew his mom had Alzheimer's. And so it really wasn't something that I was familiar with. But in the course of the, the process of the interviewing and all of the things, and, and I was just in my daily life, people kept talking to me about someone in their family with Alzheimer's. And they didn't know that I was contemplating this move. And so it just opened my eyes. And once I started the job six years ago and I put out, you know, on Facebook like we all do, um, hey, I've started a new job, um, people that I know from grade school and high school and all work walks of my life started to identify, you know, my mom, my dad, my grandmother, 
um, my favorite aunt, you know, all of these people coming out and, and saying, this disease affects me as well. And so then, you know, moving on for the last couple of years, we were starting to identify uh, a lot of the signs of, of dementia in my dad. And so here we had, you know, the, the, the short-term memory loss and some of the mood, mood changes, lack of judgment, not being able to manage the finances, those kind of things. Um, so, you know, you, you just, it is, as you say, Eric, it is surrounding you. Even if you don't think you know anyone, you actually do. Well, and, and the impact, the impact of cognitive impairment goes well beyond the person impaired. In fact, yes. it sometimes is worse for people around the impaired person than it is for the impaired person, at least at a, at a given point. Um, yes. I, I think folks have a misconception that Alzheimer's is uh, for only the extreme elderly, which yes. we, of course, know not to be the case uh, scientifically and otherwise. Um, but really what it does is it puts folks in a position, number one, the financial hemorrhaging from an extended period of, uh, of cognitive impairment of any type is dramatic because yes. you're not talking about having somebody come help pay the bills or, or make a sandwich. You're talking about 24-7 supervision at some point. Uh, and the cost to do that is outrageous. Um, and, you know, there are solutions. We've had guests on our show talk about long-term care and whether you use insurance or, or how, to, how to manage that process. So I, I don't want to go down the insurance route today. But just from a cost standpoint, the financial cost is amazing, but then also the emotional cost on kids or grandkids or spouses or loved ones is astronomical. Talk, talk a little bit about the impact on immediate and then extended family when you run into this situation with one of your loved ones. Well, it is the most expensive disease facing our country outside of COVID. You know, COVID is just kind of an unusual situation that of course is, is um, leading in, in the number of deaths. But outside of that, Alzheimer's is the sixth leading cause of death and the most expensive one. And it's oftentimes because of the duration. So a family um, will see a cost of about $350,000 during the lifetime of someone with Alzheimer's. And that the family shoulder about 70% of that cost. And so the cost of care, you know, what is what it's costing Medicare, what it's costing that system, but it's the out-of-pocket that it's costing families. And so it's about $11,000 a year in out-of-pocket. And that's not including the high cost of memory care facilities. So if you have the means, if you have long-term insurance, if you have savings, you've sold the house, you're able to pay for that, um, that's one cost. But just the kinds of things that you need to do. And what the other impact is, is that families first attempt to take care of their loved one themselves. And oftentimes the, the primary caregiver is the daughter, the daughter-in-law, um, who is taking care of their parents. And as you mentioned, it's not, as, it's not always very elderly, although the older you get, the higher your, your risk. But somebody with young onset, for instance, who is diagnosed in their 50s, they're still at that time of their career where they are earning their income, they've possibly put their kids through college, maybe they're still putting their kids through college, but now that, that uh, spouse is leaving the workforce and their partner is oftentimes having to cut back on hours and, and to diminish their own career um, to be able to take care of the, the 
um, the normal caregiving that goes on with this, which is extensive. So with families and you have somebody who says, well, I've got to take care of mom and I am going to have to leave my job or I'm going to have to reduce my hours or I'm going to have to take a less demanding job. And so income wise for the caregiver goes down but the cost of care goes up. And so families, what they do is they end up dipping into other places. So you're dipping into either what you had put away for your kids for your college. You might be cutting back on your own savings. You're sure as heck not gonna be thinking about retirement if you're in this moment in time and you're trying to figure out how am I gonna pay for this now? So you're robbing your own retirement funds. You're borrowing money. You're taking, you know, either you're taking from savings or you're not contributing to savings. So you're putting your own financial um, situation toward your retirement at risk just to take care of this parent. And so all of that burden also creates an emotional stress, which then causes people's own health to decline. And then they have medical expenses related to that. So it is a very complicated situation for families to be in the 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 term that resonates to me as a financial advisor is opportunity cost yes every dollar that needs to be spent to take care of a loved one in this situation is a dollar that not only can't be saved or go to debt reduction or go to other priorities it also can't grow and help you reach financial independence so, right. you know, your grandma or grandpa could, in fact, hamper the financial independence plan for at least one, if not multiple generations behind. Um, and, you know, one of the things that, that we talk about on the show all the time is that, you know, retirement is not a retreat. It's a graduation. It's, it's on to the, the next amazing chapter of your life. Um, it's incredibly difficult to have that chapter if either you or a very close loved one is going through this. So you talk about the emotional toll. It's very significant. Now, you mentioned a cost of $11,000 a year. I, mm-hmm. I think you meant monthly. General stuff. The cost of memory care can be $11,000 a month. Yes. Right. So that's that's yes. what I was looking at. When, when you say yes. the total cost is $350,000, um, yes. That includes twenty-four uh, seven memory care units and healthcare and, yes. and aids and all of that. So, um, yes. some of the, the the medical costs or the non long term care costs are meaningful, but they're not the they're not the the bankruptcy ones. The bankruptcy right. ones are the long term care facilities, the nursing homes, the uh, the round the clock home health care, um, and. You're absolutely right. When a daughter or daughter-in-law, and it usually is the daughter or daughter-in-law, I've already warned my mother, who had me and my brother and has no daughters, that she's in deep trouble. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but she said, so we, we've, we've talked about this, but the opportunity cost is if someone has to leave the workforce, it not only reduces the family's income and the potential to reach financial independence, it also damages your resume. So you yes. talked about damaging your, your health and some of the costs there. You talked about damaging your income and your financial wherewithal. It also damages your resume. If you're out of the workforce for five years to care for a, an, an elderly parent um, 24-7, you're, that five years will hamstring you professionally in a very profound way. And in fact, working moms have figured that out. A lot of moms who leave the workforce, or dads, leave the workforce to raise their children and then when they go back they find themselves sort of behind the financial eight ball a little bit Um, and we can opine about about that all day long but the reality is it's it it is a fact 
um, and that can be difficult. So, so what do what does the Alzheimer's Association specifically in Maryland, because that's our that's our uh, home state, but but also around the world. What does the Alzheimer's Association provide in terms of education, resources? Um, I, I guess there, there's no cure. I don't know if there's prevention or if there's uh, there are best practices to try and prevent this. What, what does the association do that makes a difference for families pre and during this kind of situation? Well, we have a kind of a three-pronged approach, so to speak, of what we do. We were founded, um, and especially here in, in Greater Maryland, we were founded in um, the early 80s uh, as a support group um, organization for families living with uh, uh, Alzheimer's. The doctors at Hopkins who were treating people with dementia said there's no support whatsoever for families. There was very little information. There was very uh, uh, very few medical uh, professionals who understood what dementia was, what Alzheimer's, what um, you know was going on here. And so the organization was founded to provide care and support to families. And so that is a, a, a huge part of what we do. And we do that in a number of ways. We have a 24 seven um, helpline that truly, someone will be on the other end of that phone at three o'clock in the morning. So if you're facing a situation where mom's got her purse on, she's got her coat, she's ready to go, she's going to church, or dad is thinking he's getting ready for his shift at Bethlehem Steel, and he's ready to go to work, and it's three o'clock in the morning, and you're thinking, you have got to go to bed because I have got to get up and go to work tomorrow. And I don't know what to do other than sleeping in front of the door. You call us and there will be somebody on the other end of that phone will help you figure this out. Not only emotional support, but also resources, also referrals, advice on what kind of care somebody would need, answering practical questions like, how do I get the person to bathe? Um, hygiene is a really big um, a concern for a lot of the families. So how do I take care of these things? So you've got the 24-7 helpline. So you've gotten through that call, but you still need more support. Then you're connected to the local care counselors who will actually help you put together a plan. We'll talk to you about what you need to know at this point in time, especially when you're newly diagnosed. What happens oftentimes is the doctor will say, I'm very sorry, Mr. Smith, but you have dementia, you have Alzheimer's, you have vascular dementia, whatever the dementia is, um, it doesn't matter to us. We're really sorry about this. I'll see you in six months. And the family walks out. Number one, they've been terrified of this actual diagnosis. They are finally gotten to the point where they have a diagnosis because so many people, 55% um, of people are not diagnosed. So they're just sort of, yeah, she's got some kind of dementia. But, you know, they're not even diagnosed. And so you come out of there and you say, what now? Well, we will sit with you and we will talk to you and we will give you the steps you need to know at this point in time. Not 10 years from now, not five years from now, not the end, but right now. Uh, we have support groups. We have um, all kinds of ways to, to be there for the families. We also have an education program. We are out trying to do um, awareness and education, whether it be uh, identify the warning signs. So if you're starting to have concerns, you can identify and say, you know, only one of the signs is memory loss. There are nine other signs. And so some people don't always lead with memory loss. But some of these other bizarre behaviors, like for instance, somebody who is normally pretty fiscally conservative, 
who all of a sudden is calling their broker and saying, I want you to buy this stock in marshmallows or something really weird and unusual. And you think, this isn't like him. Well, that lack of judgment, that not being able to make good decisions is a sign. And so those are some of the kinds of things that we offer education. Also caregiver um, support, um, how to have communication with the doctor, how to have the communication with mom and dad where you know something is definitely wrong, but the spouse won't admit it and is trying to hide it. There's always this fear from a parent, you're going to put me in a home you're gonna put me in a nursing home. I don't wanna leave my home. And so there's this fear that they're gonna be taken away and put somewhere. And so you have to kind of have that, that understanding of how do you deal with this? How do you help them to see that yes, a nursing care facility, a memory care facility may be the best course of action for them when they reach that point. Should never, never promise to say, mom, I promise you I'll never put you in a nursing home or memory care because the fact of the matter is that may be the best thing for them, but that's another topic. In addition to this, we also do a lot of advocacy and we are very, very active um, with our, ele uh, our elected officials to bring this awareness to them. Uh, when I started here in 2014, Eric, the federal government put $562 million in Alzheimer's research. Sixth leading cause of death Heart disease, cancer, etc., uh, were three, four billion dollars, and Alzheimer's was 562 million dollars in research. But through our advocacy uh, uh, efforts with individual volunteers willing to tell their stories, we are now currently at 200, uh, 2.8 billion dollars in research going into um, Alzheimer's research, which is huge. The Alzheimer's Association is also the leading funder globally of uh, research uh, in, 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 the, in the world. So it's the United States federal government, you know, through NIH, the Chinese government, and the Alzheimer's Association. But as a nonprofit, we are the leading leader in the world in putting money into research. And research is critical because if we can just delay the onset of Alzheimer's by five years, the savings to that family will be tremendous, tremendous. The other is, thing that we... I, I'm sorry, Ellen, but before we leave that, that piece, because the, the advocacy and the, the medical research, I, I want to make sure um, that, that we have a, a, a calling here on our show. And one of, them, one of them is Alzheimer's is something that if it's not cured it, it, it may, or reversed, certainly that may be impossible, but... The, the delay of onset or even some of the prevention is possible during our lifetimes. Are, yes. are we not relatively, um, this is not promissory any more than your marshmallow stock was, but, but uh -huh. this is, I mean, this could happen during our lifetimes. Yes, absolutely. And we are on a trajectory and our, our mission and, and there was the Alzheimer's, um, the National Alzheimer's Act that we helped to put into place with the government is to find a, a treatment, a prevention, or a cure by 2025. So we're five years from that. And we have tremendous research and ways on prevention, which was the third part of the pillar. And prevention or risk reduction is very, very, um, there's a lot of exciting research on that. And again, if we can stop the trajectory of this disease, it will make a huge impact. If we do not stop the trajectory of the disease, the 5.8 billion people 
uh, 5.8 million people today will blow up to be about 15 million people by 2050. And the costs will be $1.1 trillion of the cost of care for this particular disease. So risk reduction and prevention is critical. And I would like to, to throw out to your folks this really exciting app that we have. Everybody's got an app, but the Alzheimer's Association has a science app, a science hub. And if you go on to that, it's, it's, uh, it's really a wonderful tool. Science Hub, if you look up uh, in your app store, Alzheimer's Association Science Hub, it'll give you all the latest research and the things that you can do. Um, Alzheimer's risk factors, you know, there was a lot of discussion at our international conference in July, um, attended by over 33,000 people. Normally it's about 6,000 people, but because we couldn't do it in person this year, we did it virtually, 140 countries represented, 33,000 people. And one of the things that came out of this, and this I don't, I'm not gonna talk greatly on this today, but getting a flu vaccine, vaccine can reduce your risk of Alzheimer's. Don't know exactly how, but the science hub will give you more details. But those little things, reducing your blood pressure, keeping your blood pressure under control, keeping your cholesterol under control, heart health and brain health go hand in hand. So the better you are to the heart, the better you are to your brain. So if, you, if those commercials about smoking don't scare the living daylights out of you, you can lose your mind, literally lose your mind. Alzheimer's, smoking is a huge risk factor. So that's one thing you can do. Exercise, getting moving, keeping a good um, body mass index, your BMI, all of those kinds of things are critical to reducing your risk. And by reducing your risk, your financial burden will also be greatly reduced. That's, um, that's a, a tall order, but none of it's impossible. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, we, we talk about the, the three secrets of the happiest retirees um, a, a lot on this show, and one of them clearly is maintaining and preserving and protecting your health. Uh, and that is, um, if, if for no other reason, to make sure that you've done everything you can to prevent something from being degenerative, not only to your physical well-being or emotional well-being, um, but to your mental acuity as well. I mean, that, that really is a big deal. And, and frankly, I, to, to think that we could be five years away, and, I, and I, I know you're making no promises because this is tricky, but to think we could be within, um, certainly within a generation of having some meaningful prevention here or, uh, or, or what have you would be a very big deal, not just financially, but otherwise. Um, I want to make sure that we spend a little time because we're, we're, we've talked a lot about the association. We've talked about you. I want to talk about how, um, how COVID specifically, but how 2020 has impacted the nonprofit world. Um, you know, the nonprofit world was rocked already by a tax bill that made it so close to 90% of Americans don't itemize their deductions anymore, which makes charitable contributions potentially not deductible, which scared the pants off of nonprofits and should. Um, but beyond that, this year, with the inability to run major events, with the inability to do major in-person fundraisers, I mean, we, we've participated in your memory ball and in your, in your walks and in all these various things over the years as a company um, and have felt real good about some of the, the money being raised. But we've also really enjoyed the events and the camaraderie and the people. And how are nonprofits, and specifically yours, dealing with what has been, I think, the most challenging fundraising environment ever right now. 
Yes, I've been doing this for 35 years. <laughs> and even during the recession, yeah, uh, you know, and, and I think there were a couple of them in my 35 years, but uh, we were, we've never seen anything quite like this. And yes, it is true um, that it has taken a tremendous hit on our financial well-being. And the Alzheimer's Association, like many nonprofits, um, have chosen to be national in scope to, to put our resources um, together in one way, moving the needle in the same direction or pushing that boulder up the mountain all collectively. And so we are one organization and we have more than 500 employees. And so because of that, we don't fall under the small business and we are prevented from any of the um, the loans or the, the resources that were provided by the government for income. So we've had a reduction in staff uh, due to this, but our work has not stopped. And so we've moved our support groups and our education and our care consulting and all of these things now to a virtual world, our big, huge uh, international research conference virtual. But the work continues, but the funding has been difficult. Uh, we had to postpone the memory ball for this year, which was was very, very difficult to do. And we're praying that things will be in a good place for us so that next May we will be able to continue um, that effort and the, the amazing volunteers who dedicate countless hours to that event will see the fruition of their efforts. The walk to end Alzheimer's is continuing. We are not gathering in a large scale way. We're saying that walk is everywhere. So when teams or families sign up, they will walk from their own home base. So whether they walk around their neighborhood or if there's a favorite park that they wanna walk, they will walk there. So we'll have a, you know, a, a, a short opening ceremony on your mobile device or computer, and then you'll hit the streets and go out and, and still help us. But it has taken a tremendous impact. And people are afraid to ask others for money because they're thinking, well, gosh, if this person has um, been affected by COVID or maybe they've lost their job, I'll come off as insensitive if I'm asking. And what we say to our people is you are passionate about this cause. It has deeply affected your family. You're going to be in a position to invite people to join the effort. And whether they are financially able at this moment to make a, a gift, that's if they can, that's great. If they can't, it's fine, but they won't think ill of you for continuing to push the efforts. You know, Alzheimer's isn't taking a back seat just because we have, everybody is dealing with COVID. Heart disease, diabetes, all of these things that are going on, children are still being disenfranchised and still facing the same kind of issues that they had before, and if not more um, with COVID. You know, the, the incidence of child abuse is, is much, higher when parents are stressed beyond their means. And so all of these things continue to happen. And what we ask people to do is remember, you can do a part of what we need. It may not be what you normally would do, but you can do a piece. You know, you can do donate food to a food shelter. You can donate um, uh, 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 any number of ways to someone, whether time, energy, getting on the phone. For us, advocacy, using your voice is critical. And so you might say, well, you know, I can't do a lot about this, but I can use my voice and I can do this. And so there's always ways to help. But yes, Eric, it's been, it's been a challenging fundraising environment for us. We are getting close to the end of our show. And as you know, you and I can talk for hours on end and, and often do. Um, uh, we want to have an extra credit assignment from you today. And 
you know, I, I've been mulling over what that might be, and so I'm, I'm curious if you and I were, are, are in harmony yet again, but um, what would the one thing be that our listeners could do um, to e- either more readily graduate into their own retirements um, or uh, assist their families based on their parents' retirements or other, or other things, or even how they can make a difference to, to the, the greater cause of Alzheimer's or other nonprofits that are important to them. What would the extra credit assignment be that the number one thing that you could advise folks to do after spending a half an hour with us today? I would say if Alzheimer's touches your life, turn to us. And in many different ways, come to us for help. That's what we're here for. Come to us to learn about how you can reduce your risk. And by reducing your risk, save hopefully some of your financial means. If you are living deep in it right now, we have the help that you need to to, to weather or to get through these challenges. If you've been touched by Alzheimer's in the past, not currently, but you have a story to tell, come to us and help us tell that story. If you are touched by Alzheimer's, if you're a family or a business or you say, this has got to stop, we have got to fix this, come to us and say, I want to be involved. How do I sign up for a walk team? How do I become a dancer in the memory ball? How do I help you do what you need to do? So that would be my takeaway. Um, Help us help you to reduce your risk, serve your family now, and bring a future world without Alzheimer's. That would be my homework assignment. That's a great homework assignment. Thank you so much. So our listeners should go to the App Store and download the Alzheimer's Association Science Hub um, yes. on their mobile devices. What is the 24-7 helpline for people who, who uh, need to reach out or, or want to get more information or speak to somebody? It's 800-272-3900. And our website is alz.org. And there is a wealth of information on that. So the 24-7 helpline is 1-800-272-3900? Yes. Perfect. Um, So Ellen Torres, you are a dear friend and have been a fantastic guest. And I do hope for our listeners touched by Alzheimer's or frankly touched by any of the work done by some of the amazing nonprofits uh, in your communities, around your state or around the country or even globally. Um, I, I hope you'll take Ellen's advice to heart and uh, and get involved, figure out ways to help. Uh, and, you know, hopefully in five years, we're talking about you needing a new job because Alzheimer's uh, is uh, gone, Ellen. So that's what we're hoping for. Be, I'm hoping to put you wonderful. out of work. That would <laughs> be wonderful. Good. Well, thanks thank for being you. on our show, Ellen. And thank you for all your support, Eric. You've been a wonderful, wonderful champion for me, for my causes, for the, the people that I love and care about. And you've been right there next to me. So thank you. My pleasure. For all our listeners, please subscribe to our podcast and post comments and reviews. Don't Retire Graduate is now a book available in print, Kindle, and audio formats. For more information or to order your copy, go to brotmanmedia.com books or search for Eric Brotman on amazon.com. To learn more about BFG Financial Advisors, visit us on social media or at bfgfa.com. We'll be back next week with another installment of Office Hours and in two weeks with another engaging guest. For now, this is your host, Eric Brotman, reminding you, don't retire, graduate. From this day forward, let us begin visualizing our dreams and building our futures. Today, I implore you, don't retire, graduate. Visit our website at don'tretiregraduate.com to subscribe. And please like us and post comments on social media.
Securities offered through Kestra Investment Services, LLC. Kestra IS, member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Kestra Advisory Services, LLC. Kestra AS, an affiliate of Kestra IS. Kestra IS or Kestra AS are not affiliated with Brotman Financial or any other entity discussed. Hi, my name is Sarah, and I want to tell you about my podcast called Can I offer you some feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding, or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com.